Welcome to a special bonus episode of Unbooking the Territory, where we cover the segment in WCW featuring a live performance from Kiss. Now we go to this. On a personal note, I'm getting ready to say the words that I've always wanted to say since I first heard this group back in 1976. So it's my honor to say this. You ready? I'm ready. Okay, let's go for it, fans. All right, Las Vegas. You one of the best. You got the best. The hottest man in the world. Kiss! How are you this week, Dan? I'm in disbelief, mate. I'm in disbelief. We got peacocked and we didn't even know it. And we were deprived of a segment that would have increased my rating for the whole show that it was on at least one notch. It's interesting that you say about the ratings, and yeah, I, I was mad. It's not actually a Peacock one. This was actually never came on the network when the network first started. So you, you've only been able to watch it if you saw the originals or, you know, a taped version of it. It, it never came on the WWE network. Time, it's time-travelling Peacock executives. According to various dirt sheets, this is the lowest-rated segment in WCW history. I so, refuse to believe it. I'll come on to the maths that I've done for Graham in a little bit. but <laughs> Before we get into that, we've, we've got a guest to review Kiss's appearance on Nitro with us this week. We have. We've erupted in a poor unfortunate um, who just happened to be strolling by the show. And uh, we've drafted in, uh, drafted in Sarah, Turd Ferguson herself. How are you doing? Hello. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you, Dan, Rob. Good. Yeah, I've got a little whiskey. Good to be invited back, and especially to review the Kiss thing. Um, I remember it watching it. I was about twelve, I think, when I first saw it. I'm a big Kiss fan, and I'm a big wrestling fan. So it was, yeah, it was great at the time. <laughs> you just tweeted something about Kiss, and I was like, "Hello." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking about putting this episode together, it's get her in. Yeah, yeah so it wasn't on the episode that you watched. Then it was cut out. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't on at all. In fact. You know, at the end of the show, they have that little um, copyright stamp, you know, copyright WCW 1999 or whatever. They'd actually been cheeky and put that at the end of the Hogan Sting match. So they just edited the little stamp on to make it look yeah. like nothing came afterwards. Oh. Bastards. No, that's probably why I've not seen it since then, maybe. I've not, I know I've not seen it in years. I just remember being a kid and very excited by the fact that Kiss were there and on WCW, on my favourite thing. Yeah, I know what you mean. I mean. I've got a vivid memory of Tony Schiavone saying that he'd been waiting for this moment um, since 1976 uh, when he mm. first saw the band. So, you know, he'd been longing to introduce Kiss. And you're just thinking, you're a wrestling commentator and nothing about your career path would have ever made you think <laughs> that you're going to be introducing Kiss at a concert. I mean... No. <laughs> Don't shit on Tony's dreams. He thought he might do it one day. It was in the back of his mind. Yeah, uh, I mean, you never know. Never know. We'll believe anything. So it looks like people have got drinks on the go before we get, go any further. So, Sarah, as you're the guest, what are you drinking? Uh, I've got a whiskey. I forget which whiskey it is. It's just a single malt. It's quite nice. Uh, and then I'm moving on to some wine, a nice Merlot. So I don't know if that will mix well or not. I just fancied a whiskey. Well, no, I know mixing whiskey and beer is dangerous, but uh, whiskey and oh. wine, who knows? You basically, ju- you basically just got fancy Scotsmack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Deconstructed Scots Mac. Yeah, it might go wrong. I don't know, but I haven't. I've been good. I've not been drinking all week. 
so I thought I'm going to have a little whiskey and then and then some wine as a little treat because I'm not as I said uh, I'm not drinking much at the weekend either because we've got a lot of driving to do and it's just not a good idea <laughs> you deserve it then you deserve it exactly what you, what you want Rob oh <laughs> both simultaneous I'll go then I'm on a, a beer that came in my uh, this month's beer 52 it's uh, Mechanics of Illusion by Motive Beer Company Modern West Coast IPA five and a half percent it's uh, middle of the road, inoffensive IPA. Yeah, it's beer, it'll do. Superb. I'm on Big Wave Golden Ale from Kona Brewing Company. It's made to look like it's from Hawaii. It's actually brewed in New Hampshire, so the wrong side of America. But I thought I'd start off on uh, sessionable ales as uh, we're recording on a school night. But the last time I did that is when we recorded Bang Bang's 50th episode. And uh, I was three deep by the time Andy had explained the rules. So, <laughs> yeah, I remember the day after that hurting quite a lot. At best intentions. Yeah, that, that's all that matters. If, if you didn't mean to do it, it was an accident. Exactly, exactly. So now it's time for the beer sommelier section of the show where the listeners can sit back and relax and be the virtual Nia Jax and we'll be virtual Reginald and uh, recommend a beer that they should drink while they're watching this Kiss performance. So, Sarah, um, do you have any recommendations that you'd make? I've seen Kiss a few times live, and every time I've seen them, for some reason or another, I've been drinking rum. So possibly a nice rum, depending on what you like. Obviously, I like a nice dark spiced rum. But wh- whichever rum you want to go for, yeah, I would always associate Kiss with a good rum now, with whatever mixer you wish. Coke, probably. Or cranberry juice is nice. Yeah, rum and cranberry. I'd go for Coke. I'm not a massive cranberry fan. The Coke yeah. all the way. Yeah, Coke bloats me. Anything fizzy bloats me. So, yeah, that's why I started doing cranberry. I also enjoy whiskey and cranberry. It's a very nice mix. Uh, so, yeah, either rum or whiskey and cranberry. <laughs> oh, I've not drank rum and Coke in about 10, about 11, 12 years. Just flashing back to the original recipe, Sailor Jerry's and Cokes that were like, Three for a fiver in one at sports bars in Chester when I was at uni. Oh, wonderful days that I barely remember. So have you got a recommendation, Dan? I have. I went back. Uh, I went back through my uh, beers that I've checked in on Untapped just to and just wrote in Kiss just to see what had come up, and it came up with uh, a beer by Magic Rock Brewing, uh, one of your favourites, Rob. Salty Kiss, uh, sour fruited goes. I rated it quite highly. God, I gave it a four. And the reason this stat sticks out in my head is because I was actually I was getting ready for the staff Christmas do at work and I popped in and got a couple of beers from the local shop and that was one of them. So I was just drinking in the office, getting ready for Christmas do, and it was a surprisingly nice beer. So, yeah, that'll do for a kiss tie-in. Well, this is just proof that uh, we don't do any communication before these um, shows because... My recommendation was going to be Salty Kiss as well from Magic Rock. (laughs) Very much recommend going to uh, the tap in Berkby. It's one of my favourite sort of breweries to to go into that you can actually uh, drink at. Yeah, uh, and various pubs, etc. have Magic Rock on tap around Huddersfield. So, yeah, I'd very much recommend that one. Probably uh, you can escape some WCW and uh, go out drinking. What's the, what's the so now it's time for Beth's Beer of the Week. And Beth's Beer of the Week is Wainwright's Altitude. So Beth's Beer of the Week there was Altitude by Wainwright's. It's actually brewed by Marston Brewer. It's 4% pale ale. 
and she gave it 1.75 out of the five alarm taps. So, no. How was that made? How was that? That was the end of the week. Uh, and she's doing a run in. Oh, my God. Hey, up, Beth. You're right, love. Why are you getting. I don't want to be on the podcast. Well, you need, so you're definitely on. Hi, <laughs> Sarah. Hello. Hi. <laughs> I'm going to go to bed. Uh, and that's uh, that's that. Right. <laughs> Justifying a 1.75. I gave it two and a half out of five. Have I drank it? I don't, it don't ring a bell. No, no, you've not untapped it yet. So that's one for the future, isn't it? I suppose so. So just in terms of the ratings, this featured on the episode that we reviewed last, which was Kevin Nash's lowest rated episode for his time in charge of creative. And he averaged 2.9. Apparently, this quarter hour that the KISS segment is in averaged 2.25. So we can assume that if the rest of the show got the same same, then was dragged down by 2.5 at the end, it would have had an average of 2.29. So if the the nine minutes that that didn't have KISS in had kept that average, this average would have gone down to 1.19. Now, a lot of the dirt sheets say that millions of watchers tuned out. I think that that would be under two million. So I don't think it's fair to say that millions of people tuned out, but certainly I, I don't think it was a, a ringing success if you were chasing ratings. The lowest ever Nitro was a 1.7. So there is a strong possibility that this six minutes that Kiss was on screen was certainly lower than that. And it really doesn't deserve to be because I had a lot of fun watching this. Like I said, I did a little bit of research earlier, and that's one thing I read was it was uh, the lowest rated segment ever. And I just, I am in agreement with Dan. It's it shouldn't be really. It's entertaining. I think part of the problem is though that you've got Kiss who have a massive fan base of their own, and you've got wrestling that's got a fan base, and there's going to be a bit of crossover, but it's not necessarily I'm going to be able to bring all the Kiss fans over to wrestling or all the wrestling fans over to Kiss. Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's fair enough. Because Sarah saying that she's a big Kiss fan makes now two people that I've encountered in my life who are big wrestling fans and big Kiss fans. So, <laughs> kind of proving that, you know, kind of a microcosm of your point there. Mm. So, yeah, I don't know if the two go hand in hand, but yeah, even if you didn't like them, it's an entertaining thing. They announced straight away that, oh, there's a debut of a new wrestler. So even for wrestling fans, you might think, oh, cast and kiss, but I'll, I'll watch and I'll, I'll see what's going on with this new wrestler. Yeah. I mean, to my mind, you know, again, when I watched this live, I remember thinking it was a big deal because you had, you know, a band that had massive name recognition on WCW you know, it, it felt like it would be a big tie-in that would lead to big things. Maybe not on reflection. But, yeah, certainly at the time, I, I wouldn't have imagined people were just going to turn over turn the off. T- No, not at all. Or is it at that point, like, you know, you're saying that Kiss have been going sort of 23, you know, was it 23 years by that point or 26 years? It, it's was it 20, maybe... Yeah, it's 23 years since... They released the songs, the song that's going to be performed on Nitro, which is off the fourth album. Right. Okay. So could could it be at that point that obviously Kiss still have a big fan base, and probably you know probably 
will for the foreseeable future but maybe in like the the obviously not at the peak of the popularity they've been around a while you know the late 90s was a time of sort of growing no, i don't want to say cynicism but there was a bit of cynicism around people more wanting anti-heroes and kiss were maybe seen as a little bit passe by that point yeah 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 possibly so this deal comes about when um, eric bischoff uh, engages with Gene Simmons to, to look to bring Kiss into WCW. And Bischoff tells a story that he goes for a meeting with Gene Simmons and he's sort of in this restaurant in the corner and he's just laid out loads of Kiss merchandise behind him. And Bischoff is quite awed by the fact of how much Kiss merchandise there is, which seems a little bit crazy that an executive vice president of a major company would be awed by someone bringing their own merchandise to dinner with them. Right, I've got, I've got to be honest, Rob, Kiss, and particularly Gene Simmons, are just absolute branding masters. They will put their name and put their likeness on anything for the right money. I remember seeing, do you remember the show Cribs on MTV? Yeah. Where you get a show around musician, musicians' houses. It must have been mid to late 2000s, they were going around Gene Simmons' house, and he, has a, he had a room set up dedicated to every single bit of Kiss merchandise, Right smack in the middle of the room was a Kiss branded coffin. That's amazing. Of all things, a Kiss branded casket. So I I wouldn't, knowing that, I would not be surprised at all that Gene Simmons had brought this to say, look, this is what I'm about. This is the brand. And just trying to basically look look at Bishop and just go, I know you want him on this shit. Yeah, I've got few bits of kiss merchandise just in this house alone let alone at my mum's that i've got a kiss thong not that i wear it i'm not a, i'm not really a fan of thongs i just bought it for the sake of it i've got kiss hot pants a kiss bikini all the bubble heads of the star trial demon cat spaceman cups kiss army t-shirts i've got loads and the part of my tattoo on my arm as well so yeah <laughs> there you go very big on branding. <laughs> but no kiss WCW merchandise, and, and, and that's the problem. Yes. <laughs> so is that, is, it, <laughs> is that what Bischoff means when he says that WCW's branding arm was so bad by this point that they couldn't even put out WCW and Kiss crossover merch? Which <laughs> <laughs> should have been the easiest thing in the world. On really the surface. I mean, we've covered episodes where there's going to be they're going to be on QVC selling WCW walkie talkies and body pillows. So that's what, that's why I said that's why I said by this point. <laughs> that's that's fair enough. So WCW are going to pay Kiss five hundred thousand dollars to appear on this episode of Nitro. They're going to say that they're going to play two songs. In actual fact, they're not. They're only going to play the one, and they're going to debut a new wrestler, which will come on to as we sort of go through the segment so just want to go through the segment now uh, it starts out showing highlights of um, kiss singing sing it out loud at a stadium show uh, again this is another song from the fourth album destroyer destroyer got to 11 on the us billboard charts and shout it out loud was a single uh, in its own right it got to 31 in the billboard charts the big hit of this album is beth and that that goes up to number seven so they're coming into WCW, they're playing Shout Out Loud, and they're going to do a live performance of God of Thunder, but they're not kind of playing 
the real big hits, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's not like they're going out there playing like I was made for loving you or whatever it is. And now, now that we're talking about it, I've forgotten every single Kiss song that I've ever heard. But that was the first one that sprung to mind. <laughs> God made rock and roll for you. Yeah. Love Gun. Uh, love, oh, love Gun's a classic. I, I don't mind God of Thunder. I think God of Thunder's a, a great hit. Uh, I prefer Shout Out Loud, though. I really like Shout Out Loud. Lick It Up, I like as well, just to put that in there. I just think it's funny. <laughs> That's a great sentence to take out of context. <laughs> I just think it's funny that they've gone on Nitro and decided to sing God of Thunder rather than going on Thunder and singing God of Thunder. Yeah. Would have made more sense, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It would. So we get Tony Schiavone and Bobby Heenan sort of talking through the fallout from the Hulk Hogan-Sting match, which finished in a bit of a smoz. Hogan's offering Sting a rematch. I think at the time, Dan, you said that Hogan brothered it out. Yeah, he properly brothered it out. And Tony Schiavone is really pumped and he says to Bobby Heenan, give me five. And in a classic Bobby Heenan line, he says, I'll give you three. I'm not going to give you five. And holds out three fingers. Love it. Love it. <laughs> I love Heenan. Yeah. And then we get just this, this outrageous, as I said before, introduction from Tony Schiavone. You know, he's saying that and now we go to this on a personal note. I'm getting ready to say the words that I've always wanted to say since I first heard this group back in 1976. So it's my honour to say, and then he says, are you ready? Okay, then fans, let's go for it. All right, Las Vegas, you wanted the best in the world. You've got the hottest band in the world. Kiss. And he was so happy with himself. I would be as well if I got to introduce Kiss. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, he just must have thought this was, ne- you know, it's just like, uh, am, I, am I awake at this point? It's like... Yeah, you can't blame me for getting a bit overexcited and carried away. Then we get the actual performance of God of Thunder. So, so what did you think to the performance? Classic the, Kiss, yeah. Very typical Kiss show. They always put on a good show. Though. I don't think I've ever seen a bad Kiss show, really. It's all about the, well, the show more than the singing, I would say. But, yeah, it's always a good show. Well, the, the singing that they lip-synced to was impeccable because they'd done it in the studio. And I did think it was um, quite funny that they kept taking the hands off the guitars when they were supposed to be doing rifts and just pointing at the crowd. I didn't, know, I didn't notice that until you just mentioned it, and now I remember seeing it thinking it was just weird. Yeah, I mean, you know, but, but Kiss is all about the, um, the performance, isn't it? It's yeah, not it's all about the show, yeah. yeah. They're just busted with face paint, really. And then we get this scene where the platform that the drummer's on, the Catman, starts lifting and... They sort of try and pan back and dim the lights, but they don't do it well enough. So you can see the WCW tech crew wheeling out a sarcophagus. <laughs> it's, it's at this point where I'm reminded of the, the phrase of uh, the catchphrase of the old Top Gear: "Ambitious but rubbish." Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they, they, they could have practiced it at least once, but but chose not to. And it's the sarcophagus in the effigy of Gene Simmons, and it starts lifting up to stand on its end. Then it opens and emerges a character with the Kiss Demon makeup. So the same makeup as Gene Simmons. And it's Brian Adams, dressed as uh, the Kiss Demon. Yeah, he it played was. him originally, didn't he? I think he only he played did. him a couple of times. I'm not sure whether Brian Adams didn't like it or just thought it was stupid or whatever, but it was someone else, wasn't it, eventually? goes on to be Dale Tarborg, who... That's um, 
you know, for avid watchers of WCW, Dale Tarborg was married to Asia, who was in the yes. um, revolution. Yep. Yep. Slayer's mental nurse at one point, a mental nurse, where he got mentally yeah. instituted. Yeah, she. I think that's how she came into it, maybe. I don't know. It is, yeah. It, the, those sketches with Ric Flair in the asylum were brilliant. <laughs> they were great. I remember them well. And I remember Asia just being this giant, like, nurse. And it, it was Flair was obviously a great mental patient because he was just round in his pants, wooing all the time. It was great. That, that's Ric Flair wrestling at this point. Well, yeah. <laughs> he was just acting normally. Yeah. He'd only gone to visit. and <laughs> The only difference is the walls were padded. Yeah. But Tarbog, you say about Dale Tarbog, he was actually like, I think he was a pro baseball player as well. He had, um, but it's another case of like an athlete suffering bad injuries and then thinking, well, I'll give, I'll give wrestling a go. What could possibly injure me there? Because he, uh, he broke, he was a pitcher, he broke his pitching arm. And then uh, he took a fastball, like flush in the face in practice and broke his cheekbone. So at that point, you know, with medical sort of, you know, medical things the way they were, that was career over. So he ended up being trained in the power plant by uh, Warlord and Jim Neidhart. I just realised you can break your cheek wrestling. Yeah. Those are things. I was confused with <laughs> my people. Yeah. Well, it's like um, Bianca Belair. She... Mm. I can't remember what the name of it is, but it's basically, I think it's called costochondritis or something like that. It basically affects the muscles in between your ribs, which restricts your breathing a bit, uh, which meant that she couldn't compete in CrossFit anymore. Oh, okay. So yeah. then so then just on a punt, she went, oh, I'll give wrestling a go. So well, you need to like you need to get your wind and and, yeah. and sort of keep it for well, wrestling. But. She does well. To say I didn't know that she had that injury about her, but yeah, she she's very athletic. And very strong. She's fantastic, yeah. But anyway, sorry, yeah, getting she's... getting sidetracked. So, what did you actually think about the Kiss performance? Kiss performance. I've not seen a right lot of them. I'm, a lot of them are what people have recorded at concerts. But it's like you guys were saying. It, it's it's classic Kiss. It seems like with a, with a Kiss concert, even when it's bad, it's gonna be all right, and you're gonna get entertainment out of it. It's like pizza. Even bad pizza is still good pizza. Yeah. <laughs> good analogy. Good analogy. Yeah. yeah well, the times I've seen them, I mean, a couple of times just in arena tours and a, a few times at festivals, it's just always been a good time. It's just always been a bit drunk, a bit pissed up, watching Kiss. The, you know, they, they've got so many classic songs, one after another. Uh, always a good time. Yeah. And you just throw a few down your neck, have a good sing song, come away with a bit of tinnitus staggering around and having had a having had a good laugh yeah i actually quite like the um i did like the whole despite the fault the faults in it i did like the whole stage lifting up in the sack then the sarcophagus lifting especially when it got about halfway up or just over halfway and the front of it just started you could see the split in it and it just <laughs> it looked like it was about to break but you know credit to them for trying there, there, there was a lot of money and some effort put into that of it it certainly was. So that that's kind of the kiss side of it. And as you've just touched on there, the sarcophagus looking pretty fragile. What do you think about the introduction of the kiss demon? I don't think they could have put any more behind it. Like I said, for the amount of money they paid just to have kiss there, and then you've got this. If it hadn't have looked like it was made of tissue paper right from the start, it, it, you know, and you couldn't see it separating, it would have looked really impressive. And then it opens up, and there's. The, you know, there's this big 
jacked up motherfucker Brian Adams with the face paint on and everything like that and the gear you'd think it certainly grabbed my attention even then it grabbed it now I'm thinking looking at it thinking how did they fuck this up yeah exactly yeah it was such a great introduction for a wrestler I mean a band like that introducing you and then with the face paint and the introduction it, and like you said so much money went into it as well it, it was just like how yeah like you said how can they mess this up how could he not be a huge star because it's WCW I thought there were a few things though because Brian Adam comes out and he's just sort of stood there and Gene Simmons is just sort of pointing at him with his tongue stuck out and the camera just cuts to uh, Paul Stanley and he's just making sort of a, a kissy face, as in trying to kiss the camera. And, you know, you don't really get much from Brian Adams to say other than he's just going to stand around and look like Gene Simmons is the demon in any way, shape or form. Ironically enough, I think you'd have got more from Dale Tarborg because it was Tarborg, from what I read, was was originally offered the kiss demon gimmick, dropped for Brian Adams, who gave it back after like two appearances. So I think somebody who was offered it from the start, who no offense to Tarborg, would have needed that foot that foot in the door, would have given more to it. And yeah, they could have had more from the actual band members and stuff like that. But probably to them, this was just another gig and just another branding opportunity. I don't know whether it was like his intention to just stand there and look menacing. So don't do anything. Don't kind of jump around and put your tongue out. Just stand there and look menacing if that was what they were going for. But yeah, I agree. We, there was not a lot at the end. If, if thing is, if that was the direction given to him, then that's kind of not in keeping with what Kiss do on stage. Because they've always got a good bit of energy from what I saw. And even in this, you know, when they're lip syncing and not really playing the guitars and whatnot, you know, they're still giving it a bit. Yeah. So you kind of you want them. You can, you almost want the wrestler to match that energy. So if Tarborg had come out and and give it like he did in in later, you know, later appearances where he was doing the Gene Simmons tongue, he was mimicking Gene Simmons. If there'd have been of that, if he'd have felt like this was actually a guy, you know, if if, if they if they'd have even just faced each other or looked at each other, and you know, give the horns and, and the tongue wag or whatever. And yeah, it would have been much better, but I still asked for it, how it actually came about. I thought it was decent. I enjoyed it. You'd mentioned earlier, Sarah, that um, there'd been some sort of plans that they had for this. Yeah, I couldn't believe what I was reading, really. I didn't know if it was fake or not, but the plan to have like a, a kiss kind of faction or stable, and they were each going to have their wrestling counterpart. So that uh, there would have been, well, the demon and then the star child, the space man and the cat. I mean, they already had Ernest Miller. I'm not sure whether Ernest Miller would have been the part of that. <laughs> that would have been brilliant. But Ernest Miller didn't actually get any face paint. Yeah, and he's just the cat. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I thought that was a bit weird. It's, it's all right having one, like the demon, it could have worked. But I don't know, it just seemed a bit weird doing all four of them. All that goes into my mind when you say that is, I remember we watched a West Texas Rednecks um, music video and they had this really weird moment where they had like the young rednecks morphing into the older rednecks. What I'd love to see is Kiss just stood there playing and yeah. then morphing into like the basically the muscly versions of themselves, like some sort of like Kiss Power Ranger. Ah, oh, that would have been would have been entertaining, but still weird. If they'd have done it in the like late eighties, it'd have probably worked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When there was a lot of big kind of over the top characters, yeah. That West Texas rednecks video is on this show 
It's on the same one. Well, for no reason, they had, they had them all just lined up, pissing off a bridge. It was but, a great feud, though, with the whoever, was it the filthy animals? When they were singing about rap is crap and the filthy animals were, like, rapping. It was a good feud. I saw a quote that Meltzer had said back at the time when they uh, removed rap is crap and brought in good old boys that Kurt Henning had been getting over with his rap is crap theme and they've changed it for another one that he won't be able to get over with. So Meltzer was all over rap is crap. Fucking big, fucking big daddy, Dave. <laughs> um, one thing we haven't mentioned with the with the kiss thing is the the demon was actually uh, it was contractually guaranteed that they would wrestle a main event match yes. um, in WCW. I think it was supposed to happen at special like ninety nine New Year's Eve pay per view against Vampiro, but the uh, the pay per view and obviously the match were then taken off the table. And yeah. uh, this sort of t- uh, I think that was after. Uh, Bischoff uh, departed in, I think it was in the September, Rob? Yeah, it's, it's very soon after this. Uh, so the, the plan for that pay-per-view is for a pay-per-view called New Year's Evil, which NXT stole the uh, name of very recently. Um, stole the name of WWE, bought WCW's intellectual property and were free to use it. <laughs> yeah, fair, fair, fair enough. <laughs> legal point of view, they didn't steal it. Um, you're, not, you're, not, you're not bitter, are you, Rob? <laughs> but the, the, the whole plan for this New Year's Evil pay-per-view was that it was going to be at the um, Sun Devil Stadium in Arizona with a capacity of 70,000 people and half the arena was going to be set up for a KISS concert and the other half of the arena was going to be set up for wrestling and they were going to bat backwards and forwards between wrestling and KISS and and they were going to put Vampiro against the KISS demon in the main event and I mean I, I like Vampiro and he was big in Mexico but there is no way shape or form that Bearing in mind, this is August. By December, we're going to warm Vampiro up to draw in 70,000 people into a stadium. <laughs> no, no chance. I mean, they did get the contractual obligation eventually. Um, I think it was, uh, from what I was reading, Kiss Demon got put into a special main event match at Super Brawl in uh, early 2000. But it was, uh, <laughs> the build is a special main event match, but it was him versus the wall in the fourth match of the card. Well, this is interesting, and I don't think KISS believe that that counts as a main event. So there's going to be quite a few times in WCW where um, WCW are trying to argue that it's a main event and they've met, they've met their contractual obligations. And <laughs> to make it even worse for WCW, every time they trot the KISS demon out, they have to pay KISS. <laughs> Again, they're the masters of the merchandise. Yeah, you've got to pay us for everything you use, every brand. Oh, God. The, the litigious... Gene Simmons. <laughs> that would have been a great wrestling character. Yeah. <laughs> just, he's just got his branding so on point. He just, instead of wrestling matches, he just comes out and, and like just delivers lawsuits to people. I mean, I mean, Gene Simmons is a law unto himself. I remember when he was on The American Apprentice, they had a task and it was, it was from Kodak. And Kodak had given them a phrase that they wanted to get into an advert and they mm-hmm. had to go and make the advert. And Gene Simmons looked at the advert and said, I can do better than that, and came up with his own phrase and made his own advert. There was nothing related to the... Uh, <laughs> and then he wondered why he got fired. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, well, at least the Kiss demon will always have the dark carnival. He will. So in terms of um, shout-outs and comments that we've had about uh, doing this mini-episode for Kiss, Joe in the ring said that... Uh, the KISS collaboration on WCW nearly worked. No, didn't, though. 
the downturn podcast at downturn the said uh, said do it in terms of releasing a bonus episode so so we did Cy Powell at SJP Words um, said that WCW and Kiss, two things that he loves and managed to embarrass him in equal measures. Oh. I, don't, I don't see why. You should never be embarrassed by liking oh, any kind of music or any kind of wrestling unless you're Rob watching it at HCW. Oh, it's, it's the pandemic's uh, got rid of HCW, unfortunately. So th- oh, those no. six people that used to go to the shows are going to be really gutted. Oh, no. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> Danny at Scottish Juggalo said, uh, yes, please, to doing a bonus episode, and yes, please, to us doing a KISS bonus episode. So we've ticked both of his requirements. So. Hope you enjoyed, mate. So in terms of awards for the show, we're just going to give one award for moment of the show, because obviously it wasn't a big section. Uh, so, Sarah, what would you give your moments of this segment to? I thought about this. I suppose it's, it's, probably, it's got to be him coming out of the, the thing and getting revealed, just because it's revealing what we thought could have been an exciting new prospect oh my god who's this guy so yeah i think the reveal itself was was for me yeah cool yeah well related to the reveal because up until this point i was actually really enjoying it i hadn't really noticed much of the sort of stuff going wrong but it really is when the sarcophagus just starts to crack as it you know starts to break apart as it's been as it's been levered up just because it it just absolutely i was dying laughing it really did make me chuckle, and that, that's a shame because, the, like I said, the the, the lips the uh, the lip syncing that was you know too good for top of the pops, unlike West Texas Rednecks. That was it was enjoyable. They put a lot of uh, effort into the set and you know lifting the drummer up and all that. But yeah, that that one big crack that appeared in the front of the sarcophagus just absolutely sent me. Well, on a very similar theme, I'm going to go with something that cracked me up. And we've got Tony Giovanni there on commentary. He's really excited. Give me five, Bobby, and Bobby will only give him three. Yeah. That was absolutely masterful. It was golden, that, yeah. Well, that was brilliant. So when we actually reviewed the whole episode of Nitro, I gave it a rating of four out of ten. Dan, you gave it five. And we had Wing Commander Nash on as a guest, and he gave it six out of ten. Obviously, this is sort of, you know, the last six minutes of a three-hour show. But do we think that would have made any any changes to to those grades? It would have left me with a lot more intrigue than I remember having coming out of the show. I'd have been something. Oh, fair enough. That's definitely. It'd have been extra points for doing something different for the extra production values and things like that. But, um, you know, even with the the cracking the sarcophagus that made me laugh and all the rest of it. It so for that it would have moved it at least at least half a point if not a full point for me yeah i'd, I'd think it was uh, the same really i mean i always like it when wrestling tries to break out of the niche and try and appeal to the mainstream and certainly at the time i felt that this is what it was doing and, and it may have turned a lot of wrestling fans off but you know maybe they got a lot of press from it that kind of thing so i, I don't think it was a bad idea would you be giving it bonus points sarah i've not watched the rest of the episode but yeah, I, I agree. It's got extra production value. It leaves the show on a little bit more of a height than just them two talking about the uh, the main event or what what was that? Was it Hogan Sting? Hogan Sting. Which is quite good anyway, to be fair. But yeah, I, I would probably add add on actually. Yeah, and give it a little bit, even if it's just half a point. I would probably add on. Yeah. And yeah. that Hogan Sting match was surprisingly good. Hogan did actual wrestling moves. 
Oh. Yeah. yeah. It's worth a watch, watch, actually. Yeah, I might do. I often just select random episodes of Nitro or Thunder to watch, mainly from 97, 98, to be fair. But yeah, you forget that WCW in 2000 was, was mainly bad, but there is good stuff in there as well. Like, there, there is some classics, to be fair. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So, uh, where can people find you, Sarah? On Twitter, at Turd Ferguson. It's got a weird spelling, I won't spell it. But yeah, it, generally chatting about wrestling and other stuff. Uh, music, dogs, gaming, uh, and drinking. Yeah, at Turd Ferguson. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, you can find me as always on Twitter at DanGriffin21, uh, talking wrestling that's a minimum six weeks out of date. Actually, I was amazed, Rob. I actually watched a, a movie that was released within the last 25 years. Wow. I watched I watched Black Widow, but I can't live yeah. tweet it because spoilers. Great. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, it is. Um, so, yeah, you can find me there. Um, and then I'm also on uh, the monthly pay per view reviews of uh, that 90s wrestling podcast, which can be found at 90s wrestling pod. Excellent. You can find the show there as well, or we're on our own channel on Booking the Territory. This episode's uh, gone as an exclusive on the On Booking the Territory channel. So, you know, maybe we'll have a further exclusives in the future. Who knows? You can find me at UTT Rob. It's literally more about the mutuals than it is about the followers. So, more than happy to follow back if you follow me. Thank you for listening. Uh, you know what they say there's nothing like a good country western band. Uh, and that was actually nothing like a good country western band. <laughs> <laughs>